Thank you for supporting the ministry of Victory Outreach International. We pray this message challenges, ignites faith, and that God would fan the flame that will produce a harvest of souls globally. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to read in beginning in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. He's writing to the Corinthians. And this whole chapter is on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he begins in verse 1 of chapter 15. And he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scripture, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of the about five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, and not me to be called an apostle. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. If we could give me a little bit more bass, please. Lord Jesus, this morning we thank you, Lord, for the presence of your Holy Spirit that's in this auditorium. We thank you for this beautiful presentation, O oh God. The anointing upon the choir, upon the ministry of music, O oh God. And Lord, I pray that you begin to speak to the hearts of those that are here this morning that possibly may not know you. Lord, I pray that not one person will be able to leave this place, leave this auditorium, without coming into a, a personal experience with you. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. This morning is a very, very special morning. It's, uh, in fact, the Resurrection Sunday. I would declare and I would say that it's the greatest day of the year. The greatest day of the year, Resurrection Sunday. How many can say Amen to that? For on this day, the Lord resurrected from the dead, and he lives forevermore. Now, this past Friday, the topic that was spoken, and the whole theme of the Friday night service was about the death of Jesus Christ upon the cross of Calvary. Now, the death of Jesus was very, very important, because God so loved the world, he gave his son so that he could die and die for us. In other words, the Bible says that the person that sins dies. There's death. Sin brings death. And Jesus came and he died. He died for each one of us. But thank God for Resurrection Sunday morning. Amen? Now, when you think about death, death is a subject that we don't like to talk about. Most people do not like to talk about death. But death is inescapable. 
In other words, it comes to us in different sides. From different sides, we have to face it. We face it on the battlefields of the world, on the streets, especially the streets of Los Angeles, on the highways. And this is a reality that we, each one of us, have to face death. Death is a fact uh, uh, that it, 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 it touches every life. Every person has to experience it one day or another. Our families and eventually also death eventually claims each and every one of us. We live in a society that fears death. And people cannot face the fact that death is a reality. Many times we try to not think about it and put it behind us and not even uh, dwell on it. But nevertheless, it's a reality. The Bible says that every person has to die. The Bible has much to say about it. In Hebrews 9, 27, it says, It is appointed unto man once to die. In other words, each and every person has to face physical death. And the Bible also speaks about that even after death, there is judgment. It is appointed unto man once to die. And then after that comes the judgment. First Peter says, For all flesh is as the grass... And the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. This is what Peter talks about the flesh. He says the flesh has a tendency to, to wither away. And many of us are experiencing that, right? We experience it with age. The older we get, we see the flesh withering away. And sometimes we go and we could try to get cosmetic surgery and try to do everything we can but we only prolong something that will become a reality. In Job's chapter 14 and verse 14, Job asks a very important question. He asks the question, if a man die, shall he live again? And that very same question that Job asked many, many years ago is the same question that people have asked throughout the century. In fact, this is a question even in our day where people ask the question, what happens after death? We know that we have to die, but what happens after death? Well, the Bible has a lot to say about that. In fact, Jesus answered that very question of death, and in John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me, he said, he made quite a statement, he shall never die. Now we know that he wasn't so much talking about the physical death, but he was talking about the spiritual death. He shall never die if he believes in me. Now the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ was the very heart of the apostolic preaching. This is all the apostles preached about the very message that they had the very theme that they had was the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and it wasn't a very popular theme in those days nowadays we talk a lot about the resurrection and, and sad to say that there are many preachers in many pulpits today that they do not believe about the reality of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ more and more there are preachers, modern preachers, that actually preached against it and preached that it doesn't actually exist. Those are people that don't even believe in miracles. Their only belief is in the natural things and not in the supernatural. 
But in those days, it also, it wasn't a very popular subject. In fact, the Greeks accepted the, the fact of immortality of the soul. They believed that there was immortality of the soul, but not the bodily resurrection. And even the Sadducees, a set of the Jews, also opposed the idea of the resurrection. But whenever the apostles preached their message, even though people opposed it, whenever the apostles preached, they always preached on the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, this morning, in the few moments that we have left together, I would like to bring out two ways that we could look at the resurrection this morning. Two ways that we could look at it. First of all, when we think about the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it is the object of our faith. The resurrection is the object of our faith. When we think about faith, we need to put faith in something. And what we put faith in this morning is the reality that Jesus arose from the dead and he lives forevermore. So first of all, the resurrection is the object of our faith. Because without the resurrection, our faith is actually meaningless. I do not understand how people today uh, don't believe in the resurrection and yet they go to church and they go through the motions and yet these modern preachers do not believe in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't believe in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't have anything to say. You don't have anything to anchor your faith on. Paul says concerning the resurrection, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 14, If Christ be not risen, he says, then our preaching is vain and your faith is also vain. Paul also writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 3 and 4, and he says, For I deliver unto you first of all that which also I receive, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And then Paul goes on to name some of the eyewitnesses of the resurrection. I'm so glad that it just doesn't talk about the, the very fact of the resurrection, but we also have eyewitnesses that are witnesses of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to take a look at some of these eyewitnesses that we have within the Word of God. The first eyewitness that we have recorded concerning the resurrection is uh, a lady by the name of Mary Magdalene. It seems like uh, those that have been in, in deep sin, the Bible says, those that are in deep sin loveth much. I mean, those that have really been forgiven, those that are forgiven much, loveth much. And it talks about this woman was a, a, a very bad, deep sinner. But somehow she had an experience with the Lord. And I want you to turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. And in John chapter 20 and verse 11, we find Mary coming to the sepulcher. When you have it, say amen. In other words, she's standing outside the tomb and she begins to sob. She begins to cry. And it says in verse 11, but Mary stood without at the sepulchre weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre. Now, you, you can imagine how much this woman really loved Jesus. 
Even when the men abandoned him, the women were there faithful. Thank God for women. You always see Jesus with a band of women around him that were following him, faithfully following him. And Mary was one of them. And she was one of the first ones to go to the sepulcher, and she was weeping, and she wept. And she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. And then in verse 12 it says, And seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had laid. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw, who did she see? She saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. In other places, uh, it says that she thought he was a gardener. And then it says in verse 15, And Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him, hence tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Look how much she loved him. And Jesus said unto her, Mary, and she turned herself and said unto him, Rabbani, which is, say, Master. And Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I have ascended unto my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. So as you can see, the first eyewitness that we have recorded is Mary Magdalene. It doesn't say that she, uh, she was on a trip. It says that she actually saw Jesus and Jesus actually spoke to her. Secondly, we also see two disciples as they walked the Emmaus Road. And I want you to turn in Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. And in Luke chapter 24 and verse 34. It says over here. Actually, Luke chapter 24 verse 13. Let's look at that. It says, And behold, two of them went the same day to the village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlong. And they talked together of these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they continued uh, together and reasoned, notice what it says here, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communication are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? Again, you notice the disciples were sad. And then uh, one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Are thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? They said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. Besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Now I want you to notice that they had some understanding 
of what he had said, that the third day he will rise again. And yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of an angel which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even as the woman had said, but him they saw not. And then he said unto them, All fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not to Christ have suffered these things and to endure, enter into his glory? And then he goes, In the beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them and all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village where they went, and he made as though he would have gone further, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is uh, toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in and tarried with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it, and brake it and gave to them. And their eyes were open, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. Now notice the reaction from these disciples. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? My friend, whenever you're in the presence of Jesus Christ, you can't help but have your heart burn and have a reaction, a spiritual reaction take place. So these were two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Then he also appeared next to Simon Peter. And this was a very mysterious meeting. In fact, we don't ha know much about it. I I'm kind of curious. I wish I could find out what he said to Peter. But all it tells us is on verse 34 of the same chapter, it says, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. So not only did he appear to these disciples on the Emmaus Road, but the Bible tells us that he also appeared to Simon, but it doesn't tell us what he told him. And in other portions of Scripture, when the women went to the sepulcher, when Jesus appeared to them, he also said to them, And tell Peter also. Isn't that like Jesus? Here was Peter that had actually backslidden, denied the Lord, was cussing just a, just a day before. And all of a sudden, Jesus resurrects from the dead and says let Peter know that I am not dead that I am alive and then over here he's speaking to Peter and I'm wondering what he's saying there must have been some love talk you know maybe telling Peter Peter you know what I forgive you anyhow and that's why he resurrected from the dead and Peter I want you to go forward and I want you to know that whatever you've done it's under the blood of Jesus it's under my blood and I paid the price for it and now you can go forward in victory because I'm victorious you could be victorious also so he also appeared to Peter Simon Peter and then it says in John 20 I want you to open with me to John 20 it says he appeared to the disciples as they were gathered in a locked room because of the fear of the Jews. Now you can imagine the disciples were all, they were cowards at that moment. They were fearing for their lives and they feared the Jews. And it says in John chapter 20 and verse 19, chapter 20 and verse 19, it says over here, and the same day at evening, 
being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, notice how they were? Because of the persecution, they were in a room with the doors shut. I mean, these were disciples that were defeated. That's the state they were in, defeated. Before the resurrection of Jesus Christ, his disciples were defeated. They figured it was all over. And it says over here the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in their midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, they showed unto him his, he showed unto him, unto them his hands and his side. And then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whoso sins ye remit, they are remitting unto them. And whoso sins ye retain, they are retained. So here they are in a closed room, and he comes and he appears unto them. Now, when he appeared that time, there was one of the disciples that was missing. And who would that be? They call him what? What is his name? Isn't that something? He got a jacket, right? Doubting Thomas. Whenever you think about Thomas, you think about doubt. Doubting Thomas. And it tells us over here in verse 26. It says over in 24, But Thomas, one called Diamas, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the prints of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Now you talk about evidence. I mean, this guy was, this guy was a skeptic, a, a doubter. He says, I will not believe unless all these things take place. And then it says in verse 26, and after eight days, and that was uh, on Sunday again, eight days, his disciples were within. And Thomas with them then came, Jesus, and the door being shut, stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hand, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not what? Faithless, but believing. And all of a sudden, Thomas, he answered, uh, anybody would believe, right? I mean, after putting your finger in his side and, you know, touching his hands and nail-pierced hands. And then Thomas answered and said unto him, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. And then he starts talking about us. He refers to us. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. So he appeared to, to Thomas in the room. And then we see him beside the sea. And in John 21, all of a sudden we see him by the sea, and he actually caused the disciples to catch a, a, catch a whole lot of fish. And it tells us in chapter 21, again he appears and it says, After these things, Jesus again, what did what? Showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. And then they were all there. And then we all know the account how he 
came and he starts dealing with Peter. He tells him catch. They couldn't catch fish all night. And then he tells him to throw the net on the other side. And then they begin to catch a, a whole lot of fish. And then he begins to deal with Peter. And once again, he is concerned about that disciple of his that denied him. That disciple whose faith was shaken, he begins to deal with him again. You see, Jesus is concerned about us as individuals. And he takes time to deal with us as individuals. And he begins to deal with Peter. And once again, he reaffirms his calling. He says to Peter, Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, feed my lambs. Then he says, Peter, I want you to commit your life to me. And we find from that moment that Peter made a decision, a crucial decision of dedicating and committing his life to Jesus Christ. And then the Bible also says that he also appeared before more than 500 brethren. You talk about proof. You talk about evidence. Not only did he appear to the disciples, not only did we see him appearing to individual people, but 500 brethren at one time. And it tells us that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 6. You don't have to turn to it. But he appeared to 500 brethren, and that's where he began to give them the great commission to go and preach the gospel to all nations. And then we could continue on with more evidence of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stephen the martyr, who did he see when they were stoning him? He saw Jesus at the right hand of God. What about Paul himself, the Apostle Paul? What did he say on the road to Damascus? He saw Jesus. He says, last of all, Paul says, he was seen of me. I am an eyewitness of the resurrection, resurrected Christ, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he appeared to people for an extended period of time held conversations with him, encouraged them to touch him, and also test the reality of his resurrection. So we have facts. There is proof. There's eyewitness accounts of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then also there's the other evidence of the resurrection, and I like this one, are the transformed lives of those who saw him. In other words, everybody that witnessed Jesus Christ. Everybody that had an encounter with Jesus Christ, their lives were never again the same. In fact, Peter, who a short time before had denied the Lord because of fear. Remember how he was a coward? He even cussed and wanted to talk like the worldly crowd and denied the Lord. But after he seen Jesus, after he had an experience with the risen Lord, his life was so transformed that he, on the day of Pentecost, you see him preaching a powerful message on the day of Pentecost, and Peter actually even gave his life for the sake of the gospel. The disciples, uh, the disciples only uh, days before also, we have the experience of the disciples, only days before were crushed and defeated, discouraged and afraid, and now they were totally changed. In the face of death, they went out and boldly preached the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Saul of Tarsus was completely transformed by the vision of the resurrected Christ and became an evangelist and a missionary to the Gentile world. And what about the miracles that we witness today? You know, we talk about the people that have the resurrection, resurrected Christ had influenced their lives. What about us today? I mean, this morning, you could just look around you. You look around you. 
and you see a whole lot of people, especially in Victory Outreach, that when they came face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ and God touched them, their lives have never again been the same. They've been transformed by the resurrected Christ. I think the best evidence that we have today is just people around you. Look at that person next to you. We got all kinds of people that were in possible cases that we could, we could name a few of them this morning. Impossible cases, but one day Jesus Christ came and touched them and their lives have never been the same. Someone said that taking all the evidence together, it is not too much to say that there is no single historical incident more supported than the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, it doesn't take blind faith. There's evidence that Jesus not only died upon the cross of Calvary, he died, he was buried, but that he rose again and he lives forevermore. Secondly, and with this I finish, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is the source of our hope. You hear that? Not only is it the object of our faith, we could anchor our faith on that, and we have evidence to anchor our faith on the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's also, it gives us hope. There is hope for the future. There is hope for tomorrow because we know who holds tomorrow. Paul, writing to the Corinthians, said, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But then he says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruit of them that slept. Christ's resurrection is the believer's assurance, is our assurance and our hope this morning that one day we too will live a resurrected life. And we're living a resurrected life spiritually, but one of these days also there's going to be a, a bodily resurrection that's going to take place as well. Rest in the morning. I'll say it again. Someone said, I won't even tell you who, you know, because your name's anyway, you won't even know who they are anyway. So someone said that without hope of eternal life, this life is not worth the effort of getting dressed in the morning. If that's the only, if you don't have Jesus Christ, I mean, it's not even worth the effort of getting dressed in the morning. Because there's no hope for the future. This is why Paul said, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? And then he goes on, and I thank the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus arose from the dead. And you know, he's the only one. Jesus is the only one. We serve a living Savior that's in the world today. Now, there's a lot of people that serve and worship other gods, but there's no hope for them. Those other gods do not provide hope for them. Confucius, he lived and died and was buried. And where did he stay? He's still in the grave. Sad to say. Buddha. Buddha lived and died and was buried and stayed in the grave. Mohammed lived and died and was buried. And where is he? Stayed in the grave. 
But Jesus lived and died and was buried, but resurrected from the grave, and he lives forevermore. We pray this message has encouraged you to grow in your walk with God. To hear more preachings from Pastor Sonny Argonzoni Sr., learn more about our dynamic ministry, or to make a contribution, visit victoryoutreach.org. God bless you.